I'm Cesar Rubio, five-time past master of Palm Springs Laws number 693, and this is Masonic Muscle, where we focus on the strongest aspect of Freemasonry, a virtuous education of the mind, fortifying it with wise and serious truths, encouraging all brethren to increase their level of fitness one degree at a time, making exercise and study a cornerstone of your daily routine, because Freemasonry is work. When you put in the work, get closer and closer to the point within the circle. Masonic Muscle, we give you more light, but no light weights. We're here to pump you up, body, mind, and soul. Freemasonry isn't dying, it's refining by Robert Johnson, part two. As you remember last uh, episode, I gave you my take on the first. That was just the first two paragraphs. I read the whole article, and then I started breaking it down. Here's the third paragraph. When I ran surveys galore, as expressed by a post on Blinded by the Light, it was interesting to see the take on it and John Ruark's research into our decline. The aforementioned blog is stating the elephant in the room, is that the Grand Lodge system itself is to blame for the downfall of membership. And in part it's true, but perhaps not why you think. If you hear some snoring, that's my dog Fearless. Uh, apparently he doesn't care uh, what kind of, uh, how bright the light is shining coming from over here. Um, he's done for the day. And so he's going he's gonna, to uh, take a nap. All right, so... The elephant in the room, according to some, is Grand Lodge is the Grand Lodge system itself. And in part it's true, but perhaps not why you think. I think I'm going to say something here which not many people, possibly no one has said quite this way before. We aren't losing members, and we aren't dying, and we aren't going anywhere. Your respective Grand Lodge, on the other hand, may be. Mm. Brother Robert, come on. We aren't losing members and we aren't dying? No, we're losing members. I don't know if that equals that we're dying, but we're losing members. Um, I don't know, 10 years ago, we had maybe 60, maybe 80,000 members here in California. Now it's down to 44,000 or something. It might be more. Ever since uh, about two or three years ago, the Grand Lodge of California implemented a, uh, you know, trying to get members back and cutting deals with the members and, you know, doing, doing what we got to do in order to entice them to come back. And it might have jumped by 10,000, but um, yeah, we're, we're losing members. We're losing members for a number of reasons, um, you know, just, just varied. The, the numbers are varied. Uh, does that mean that Grand Lodge, that Freemasonry is going, is going to die? I don't know about that, but um, in certain areas, in certain sections of the world, yeah. Yeah, the interest just isn't there, so it's going to die there. Can someone go and reignite it? Possibly, but um, yeah. Uh, your respective Grand Lodge, on the other hand, may be saying, let me explain. 
1924, the Masonic Services Association started keeping track of the number of Freemasons in the United States. This number was based on regular lodges under the respective Grand Lodge system of that state. You can look at those numbers by clicking here. Notice the rapid rise and mega decline. At a point, we had almost 6 million members. Now, we only uh, have about 1.2 million, according to 2014. And then he says, I suspect that in 2015, the, the numbers might be different. Grand Lodges are consistently pushing membership drives and one-day conferrals. This is true. But Grand Lodge is us, brethren. Grand Lodge is us. Uh, they're composed of members that went through the first, second, third degrees, just like you and I did. They got interested. They went through the line of officers. They started taking leadership roles until they finally found their way up to Grand Lodge. And eventually they entered the Grand Lodge, um, you know, Grand Line of Officers. And then they, they, they became our representatives. Um, and he says that uh, amendments to the way Freemasons progress through the degrees and much more. But none of it is helping. This is true. I believe back in 1989 or 1990, somewhere around there, is when California Grand Lodge finally adopted a cipher, meaning that we uh, were moving away from the mouth-to-ear tradition, meaning that we had to memorize. There was nothing written down. We had to memorize all of our ritual work. But uh, in order to make it easier, in order to entice members to come in, they began to lower the standards. And everybody knows better business practices that when you lower the standards, there are no standards. So we're, we're, we shot ourselves in the foot uh, with that. And part of the rise, the mega, uh, the rapid rise and mega decline was because of the baby boomers. After World War II, everybody came back, everybody was happy, everybody wanted some uh, semblance of peace and harmony. And so uh, a lot of babies were born, were made and born. Um, but a lot of uh, members were seeking some camaraderie. So they joined the Masonic Lodges, the Elks Lodges, Rotary, Lions, you know, all these different bodies. And so they filled the ranks. And this is part of the reason why. Brother John Ruark of the Masonic Roundtable did an excellent presentation this last year about membership numbers, which I mentioned above. You can watch it here, and then there's a link. In short, non-payment of dues, suspensions, and deaths are the culprit of dropping membership, coupled with the fact that not many are joining. Not many men are joining. Yeah, non-payment of dues, suspensions are a direct... That, that's a... You know, that's a symptom of a deeper cause. And deaths, well, yeah. Uh, when I came back uh, to uh, Palm Springs Lodge with a bunch of other brothers to help strengthen the lodge and fortify it and, and help it bring it back to health, ever since then, the, uh, in 2017, the biggest, or 2016, uh, you know, the, the biggest um, thing we have working against us is members just getting old and passing away. So, yeah. But, you know, non-payment of dues, suspensions, that's most of the times you guys know this, brothers. It's because your lodge is 
not doing anything of worth. Deal with that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. And you know, when you really think about it, you know that this is going to be true. Because the guys have to get together and it takes more than just one, two or three persons in the lodge room to uh, put some programs together and do, and, and, or, or put their minds together and figure out what it is we're going to stand for and what our, what our standards are and how are we going to continue to improve them and raise the bar over and over so we can achieve. All right. According to a recent Pew poll, the percentage of Americans who have a belief in a supreme being is decreasing. The target audience for masonry is dwindling. After all this, though, consider these statements. At Masonry's peak, from an educational standpoint, 1900s, Freemasonry was small. Yes. The influx of men into the fraternity during the 50s and 60s was an anomaly. After World War II and especially after the Korean War, yes. The craft built an empire based on an influx of men and treated that high number as the new normal which for whatever reason, they still measure us against today. Yeah, this influx began to water down a lot of what was supposed to be happening in the lodge. But even then, a lot of those members didn't know what was supposed to be happening in the lodge. And even today, they still don't know. Now that we are returning to normal numbers, I don't know what that means, normal numbers, the craft is trying to figure out ways to sustain the top-heavy elements we built. Hmm. Yeah. The craftsmen have to have work to do. And the lodge and the leadership has to come together and figure out what that work is. For those of you lodges that are out there and you guys are uh, believing that it's charity, it's well, let's raise money and let's throw money at a problem, I don't think that's I don't think that's what's going to help, honestly. Something more. It's something deeper that's needed. That's part two of this ongoing series. I'll finish it up with part three in the next episode. So let me get into now another article from Bill Hemburn, Brother Bill Hemburn, in case you guys didn't know. He's the creator of the Super Strength Training website collector of old and out of print and hard to find either articles or training manuals or books going back all the way to 1880s and uh, the article is called don't sweat the small stuff he says i get emails and letters all the time and i try to answer them to the best of my ability however some of the questions i get seem to leave me asking why is this so important in the scheme of things for example, here are a few questions that leave me scratching my head. Question, what are the best barbell plates? Answer, very simple. The kind that are round, flat, with a hole in the center, but more importantly, come as close to the poundage as displayed on the plate. Question, what do you think of barbell plates available today with holes in them like handles? Answer, not much. I mean, what is the point? I see them advertised as easier to pick up, carry around like a suitcase 
do curls, etc. Easy? Why do I want easy when it comes to training? Simple maybe, but easy defeats the whole purpose. And what happened to doing pinch grip work with a traditional flat barbell plate? Question. Why do you think, or what do you think of flats on the rim of barbell plates? Or hexagon dumbbells? Are they better than the traditional round plates or globular bells? Answer, I have never been able to figure out why in the world solid dumbbells suddenly went from globular spheres to hexagon shapes. What is the point? Is this an improvement? If so, how? Again, so they won't roll around on the floor? Does anyone know? Funny, I never had a problem with a barbell or a dumbbell for that matter rolling around. Question, how long should an exercise bar be? Answer, depends on what you are comfortable with. The longer the bar, the more awkward it becomes to lift and maintain balance. I prefer a standard five uh, foot exercise bar. But don't use what I'm comfortable with. Use what you are comfortable with. Question, is bodyweight exercise better than barbell exercise? Answer, is an orange better than a grapefruit? Both body weight and barbell exercise have their own advantages and disadvantages. They are both an excellent method of resistance training. You take it from there. Is one better than the other? It depends on, upon what tools you have available at the moment and what you are trying to accomplish. Question, how long should I rest between sets? Answer, I don't know you. How long should you take to eat dinner? How long should you sleep each night? These questions depend upon the needs of the individual. My guess is that you should rest long enough between sets to return your breathing back to normal. It works for me. So along these lines, I used to discuss training with John Grimmick occasionally. John Grimmick, in case you guys don't know, was uh, one of the movers and shakers of the uh, early weightlifting movement back going back all the way to the 20s 30s 40s even the 50s he, the man didn't die till he was 86 back in like a 90 something and he was he, he just muscular and thick i mean the, this guy was a specimen it's, it goes on he says he was fun to talk to because he never took training more seriously than it should be for example this may come as a shock to you but he had several different brands of barbell plates in his basement gym not just York. Up until shortly before his death, he was squatting with 400 pounds. And he died at 86, so imagine that. He remarked to me once that he did this just to keep his legs straight. Mercy. For conditioning, he would ride a stationary bike. In addition, I have piles of correspondence with him. He had no fancy pre-printed stationary. All the envelopes were plain with the address and return address typed with an old manual typewriter. Ditto with the letter. He would proofread each letter and make corrections and add notes in the margins with the ballpoint pen. Anytime I mailed a letter to him, I always got a letter in reply. What I'm trying to get across here is that Grimmick had the most spartan of tools at hand. But the point is they got the job done. Function is what was important to him, not fashion. As a matter of fact, Grimmett remarked to me once, don't sweat the small stuff. 
Don't worry about an exact number of reps or sets. If the weight on the bar feels right, lift it. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? And then he goes on to say, you know, for more answers about weight training, check out one of his, uh, one of the most famous courses of all time, the York Barbell and Dumbbell System Training by Bob Hoffman, founder of York Barbell Company, Olympic weightlifting coach, publisher and editor of Strength and Health Magazine. All six courses complete with all six rare full-size fold-out wall chart posters. It's pretty cool. I have it. And it's awesome. And the same thing goes, if you keep it simple, if you if you adopt a lot of what John Grimmick was applying to weight training to the Lodge, brethren, to your own personal fitness, levels of fitness and health, for those of you who are getting out there and trying to get back on track, you put on a little bit too much weight, especially during covid you're trying to get, you know, in better physical condition, mental condition. Keep it simple. Don't don't start getting into all the the minutia and all that stuff. Just start doing it and and keep it up and build up those habits that are going to keep you healthy and moving forward in the you know, in the foreseeable future. The same thing goes for these uh members of the lodge and officers who have to study, who want to be a part of a a degree team or maybe uh, sit in a chair as one of the uh, principal officers. You have to keep training. You have to find your way. You have to, but no matter what, all of it requires some type of action and you better take it and you better keep pulling the trigger and making yourself stronger, making the lodge stronger, and continuing to improve at all, you know, sides, at all things that you're doing. All right. So with that, you guys take care. And wait until the next one. All right. So let's do this once again. These strong sessions are calculated to inculcate in the mind of the novitiate the importance of subduing our passions and improving ourselves in masonry, feeding the attentive ear with the sound of the instructive tongue, endeavoring to add to the common stock of knowledge and understanding, effectively spreading the cement of knowledge and wisdom, and hopefully some good will towards exercising. Get out there and get your walking in. Open up your ciphers. Study, memorize, and just do it. 